This podcast does not constitute financial or investment advice. It is for educational, general information and entertainment purposes only. Please consult with your own financial advisor before making any financial decisions. To achieve those dreams and aspirations that I want, you know, where's that going to come from? It was only going to come from my own effort. That's all I ever counted on. Later, as a married adult, you know, I was struggling with being a working mom. And is this going to work out? Am I going to be sacrificing what I should be giving my children as I pursue my career? And I was introduced to a book, The Feminine Mistake, and it stressed the importance of women being financially independent, no matter what your situation. You're listening to Banking on Girls, the podcast that explores the importance of financial literacy for girls and young women. And I'm your host, Marina Batmiwala. Join me on this journey to uncover insights and inspiration. My guest today is a woman who's been blazing trails in the entertainment and technology industries. Elaine Paul is the Chief Financial Officer of Lyft. Prior to joining Lyft, Elaine served as the Chief Financial Officer of Amazon Studios and holds an MBA from Harvard Business School. She's married with three teenagers and enjoys the outdoors and adventure travel. Having recently been on some of these adventures with Elaine, this is definitely something I can attest to. Welcome, Elaine. Thank you so much, Marina. I'm really happy to be here and thanks for inviting me. Elaine, you've been running the finance, accounting, and treasury functions of global companies for many years. Recently, you joined Lyft, prior to that Amazon, before that Hulu, and many years at Disney. As a young girl, did you ever imagine that this would be your career trajectory? No, I was going to be a lawyer because my entire family was lawyers. So that's what I knew. And I grew up in a home with my father worked and my mother was an awesome partner to my father and an awesome mother to the kids, but she was a stay-at-home mom. But I modeled my trajectory after what I saw, and that was my father was a lawyer. So I knew I wanted to go out and forge a place for myself in the world, but I imagined that that was going to be through a career in law. Amazing. And that's so important that I've seen like the father role modeling as well as the mother. So interesting. What is your money story, Elaine? How did you grow up thinking about money and dealing with money? I've heard from many people and anecdotally that a lot of families don't talk about money. Was that the situation in your home? Was money freely talked about? One thing that was very helpful was my parents did model financial discipline. So they modeled, and I guess I didn't really realize it as a kid, but you probably absorb it and looking back on it, they certainly modeled living responsibly within your means and certainly not living beyond our means. So that was just something they continuously modeled. They also started training the kids early in management of money by giving us allowance and expecting us to manage that and live within that for the things that we need. That was a great beginning lesson. We also got a little advanced lessons that made me quite interested. For example, I was very young and we were on a family trip and I have a half brother who's 10 years older than I am. And it came up that my dad owed me my allowance and he was in arrears. And I probably made like, I don't know, 50 cents a week or a dollar a week or something. And my older brother tuned into this and he's like, oh, well then Elaine, dad owes you 
interest. And I said, well, what's interest? He said, in fact, and the interest should compound. How late is he on paying you your 50 cent per week allowance? And I said, oh gosh, I think it's been five months since I got my last allowance. And he started teaching me how to compute. And my brother was outstanding at math, teaching me how to compute compound interest. And I think I was in first grade or something. And I said, I like the way you do math, but that was really interesting. And we, that's a family story that we still tell today at the dinner table. And sure enough, my dad had to shell out the allowance with compounded interest. And I learned a really important lesson. And so did my dad. He was never late again. So those kind of little stories and behaviors when the kids are younger, I think are important. Another important lesson that I remember so clearly, it wasn't my first summer job, but it was one of my first summer jobs. And I was, I guess that's a main point too. I was expected age 16, like the fun summer was over. You needed to go get a job and learn how to make money. And I think that's such an interesting lesson because you see the gross paycheck and you also see the net paycheck and you start to learn about things like tax and you know you work for X dollars per hour, but that's not what you bring home. And that's really important. It starts to inform your political views and other things. But I had my second summer job or so. And I was earning a fair bit of money. And I bar, I think I was driving my mother's car to that job. And at the end of the summer, I wheel into our garage and I hit our garage and I caused some damage. And I was like, oh, no, this is hugely inconvenient. But I also thought it's my parents' house. Of course, they'll just take care of this. Well, no, the lesson was you need to pay to fix the garage and you need to pay to fix mom's car. And my entire summer earnings was pretty much wiped out. But that was a really important lesson too. That was just a lesson in responsibility, personal responsibility, and there's consequence to your actions and you better be able to cover it. So really strong role modeling, but also you you are organically learning really the basics. I mean, compound interest is one of the basics of financial literacy and what a great way to learn it. So Elaine, you're obviously a very successful woman and Something that I've been studying is that a lot of very successful women actually don't feel very comfortable managing their own money and they actually expect to outsource financial decisions to other people, sometimes their husbands, sometimes to others. And yet research shows that children, especially girls, get their money attitudes and learn about finance from their parents, especially their mothers. So how comfortable are you with your own money management decisions and how are you modeling this to your your children and especially your daughters? A thousand percent confident. And I mean, my career is as a CFO. So when I discovered in college economics and math, that sort of all resonated incredibly well with my passions, my capabilities, my interests. So it's natural that, of course, I'm very comfortable managing money. One super important principle that was embedded in my brain at some point was I just knew I need to be able to take care of myself. And I also knew I wanted a particular lifestyle and I wanted, I had dreams and aspirations. I never, ever, ever had the mindset that that was going to come from anybody but me. And I think that's really, really, really important. And I don't know exactly why I had that, mindset. I think that was just the example that was set for me is, you know, you make your own course. And I did feel capable. I felt supported from, you know, an amazing education that had been given to me by my parents being willing to pay for that. And then my own capabilities and my efforts. But I never, ever, ever expected 
to achieve those dreams and aspirations that I want, you know, where's that going to come from? It was only going to come from my own effort. That's all I ever counted on. Later, as a married adult, you know, I was struggling with being a working mom. And is this going to work out? Am I going to be sacrificing what I should be giving my children as I pursue my career? And I was introduced to a book, I think it's called The Feminine Mistake. And it said it stressed the importance of women being financially independent, no matter what your situation, because things happen in life, divorce, death, being let go from one's job. And so even though I'm happily married and my husband has a interesting, vibrant, thriving career, I have now, through the wisdom of age, seen this stuff happen. My best friend, her husband dropped dead at 50, and she's solely responsible for her family and their children out of the blue. Single career families where in an economic downturn, the money earner has been let go and is down and out, and it puts the immense burden on the family. So I've had this mindset, and that when I wavered about the sacrifices I was making to work vis-a-vis time spent with the family, that really strengthened my resolve of the importance of knowing that I could depend 100% on myself if need be to provide for my family in the way that I want to provide for. And that's a value that I try to instill through many, many teaching moments in all of my children, which is, you know, choose the life that you aspire to, but just make sure you can do that on your own and always live within your means. That's a super, super important message and one that I found really important in my own life. What a terrific role model you are. And Elaine, that's what we all understand now is that when women who haven't been paying attention to their finances or taken some kind of control of their finances when they have a life event event like a divorce or or a husband dying, becomes a major financial stress that can take years to work their way out of. So great advice. A hundred percent. And back to your question about how comfortable am I managing money, talking to my daughters about managing money and everything. One thing that I think is really extraordinary that is happening in our family that didn't happen when it didn't happen when I grew up in my family is we talk to our, my husband has a real passion for investing in the markets, more of a passion than I do. And he's really excited to teach our daughters and our son. But interestingly, our daughters have been more engaged in it, I think largely because classes they have at their all-girls school in eighth grade on personal finance. And they get a little mini portfolio and they get to invest that money. And it creates this in their school. And that happens to be different than the classes that my son has taken at his school. And that's created this dialogue at the family table where my husband talks about stocks that he thinks is interesting and talks about macro trends and how that might impact those. And then we talk about how's your portfolio doing? Oh, well, that's up and this is Dan. Okay, well, remember, and it opens the conversation about a balanced portfolio or a risky portfolio or a super conservative portfolio and how different portfolios are appropriate at different stages of your life and et cetera, et cetera. We have those discussions with our son too. That didn't happen when I was growing up. I had no idea. We never talked about investing in the markets per se or how to manage money. It wasn't like a topic. And to your point about do families talk about money, my mother, born in 1935, so a totally different generation, I think she thought it was 
I don't know, it was very private. Money was very private. And so it was not to be discussed. Money was very, very private. My father being a very just responsible, disciplined, organized person, he talks about money very unemotionally because it's just something people need to know. It's something the children need to know and children, meaning his adult children, because he's 91 now. And so estate planning and being planful and what we have and what will happen upon a change in that, my mother would have taken the approach of, no, 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 that's not to be discussed. That's very, very private. My father takes the approach of, it's very important to be talking about it way before the death event, if you will say that, is even going to happen so that people are brought along along the way, educated and informed and aware. And I'd say we very much take that approach in our family. Of course, you need to make it age appropriate. And there's different things that you talk about with an eight-year-old versus an 18-year-old versus a 38-year-old, but just making money an unemotional topic. It's not private. It is an important lever and issue in your life. And so teaching live within your means, teaching how to manage, how to invest, spend, save, share, stressing the importance of giving back, making some of your money giving and contributing to others. I mean, if that's your family values, but those are our family values, is just super important. And having that dialogue in a non-emotional way, in a non-gender biased way, and empowering children to have the knowledge that they need and a background to become responsible adults who can support themselves and thrive. Right. And, and there's so much to unpack there. Well, what you just said, Elaine. Firstly, I, I think people often underestimate, including ourselves, how much young children can absorb. You're talking about 13, 14 year old girls and boys understanding the stock market. I mean, it's entirely within the scope of what their ability is to, to understand how that all works. You know, living with your means and those life lessons absolutely important to learn at a young age and that's something I've heard over and over again in terms of successful upbringing for children. And I think it's very important for the gender role model. Of course, I'm biased because we are both CFOs in our household. I'm biased, but I think it's really important for both the girls in the family and the boys in the family to see mother and father being financially literate because it goes very much to my core of believing I want my girls to believe that whatever they need to do to support the lifestyle that they want for themselves, that they need to make that happen themselves. And similarly, I want my son to know that this doesn't all rest on his shoulders. He needs to find a partner who will be equally responsible and complicit in their financial decisions in his life. So I think it's really important to set a gender-balanced example in the home. Right. And also you mentioned just making it a normal thing to talk about money. And I think sometimes people confuse it's not polite to talk about money to strangers versus it's important to talk about money at home. And they're two quite different things. Correct. A hundred percent. Thinking about the stock market example and Marina, to your credit, in our outside curricular involvement together with our scout group and a scout group of females in scouts, and you set up a stock market game. And that was incredibly empowering and fun. It was the same thing that my girls are experiencing in their classroom, their personal finance class in eighth grade. But what I was going to observe is I also see now with social media, false information. So parents need to be talking about this in the home because 
I'm learning that my children are exposed to quote unquote financial advice and schemes on TikTok. And what I hear that they're, you know, seeing and learning about is like the latest scheme with Bitcoin and some cryptocurrency and get rich quick schemes where, you know, with $10 today, you can make a million and not have to ever work and do anything. And I need to counter that information with what I believe to be more accurate and true information. So if you're not talking about in the home, there could be bad information coming that there's like this path of least resistance, easy, quick money, do this here, which at the worst is a scam that could be quite harmful. And at the best is just a really bad teaching example. (laughs) So I want to make sure that we're teaching the real picture in a dialogue in our home. Yeah, I think that that is such an important point. Not that's not something I've heard being articulated lately. So, you know, counterbalancing what there is out there in social media and so many different aspects, but now even teaching finances to, to your children. Is there one thing that you wish you knew about money when you were young that you know now? No, I'd say cumulatively along the way, I've learned great lessons. I remember in my very early career, it was the first time that I had excess money above my rent, my car expense, my living expenses that I got had a teeny little bit of savings, you know, after a bonus or something really early in my career, probably to the tune of, I don't know, it was five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars, something like that. And I remember being so excited about that and the opportunity of now with my first saved earned money from my career, I'm gonna invest. And I put it all on black. No, I'm just kidding. But I put it all on one company because I was like, oh yeah, that company has great potential and it's going to be great. And I invested in that particular company stock. Well, lesson learned because I lost, I don't know, that investment went down by about 50% or more. And saying that now, that seems so unsophisticated that I would even behave in that way. But you know, it was my first savings. And I learned a great lesson, which is beware Beware of thinking that there's one quick win and be balanced. And when you have a more diversified portfolio or more means, sure, invest in some bonds, invest in some index funds. And if you want to have fun picking a few bets of companies that you think are interesting, that you're well-informed on, and as long as you are prepared to lose it and be prepared in case that can happen. So that was a that was a really good lesson early on was that I actually, there's probably a reason I'm not a stock picker for a job and that I should leave that to the professionals and be more prudent in my personal investing. Right. The second great financial literacy lesson we've learned in today's talk, diversification. To wrap up, Elaine, this has been a fascinating conversation. I wish we could spend hours. But for those raising girls... What do you want people to know are the most important lessons to teach them in today's world? Number one, prepare your girls to be able to provide for themselves for all the reasons that we've discussed because life happens. So girls need to be prepared mentally that they should expect that they need to be able to provide for themselves and then also tooled with whatever education and skills that requires to be able to do that. And then two, that women must be financially articulate, must be for that very reason. You don't want to depend on someone else. You cannot leave the understanding of the financial to someone else because it's a critical and basic life skill tool and everybody needs to have it, girls included. 
Elaine Paul, thank you so much. Thank you, Marina. Thank you for listening to the Banking on Goals podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate the podcast and be sure to hit subscribe or follow so you can receive notifications of new episodes. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at bankingongoals.com.